Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to bring you another episode of our podcast where we discuss soccer at all different levels with some of the most interesting, accomplished, and influential personalities in the region. We've got a great guest for you today, as I'll be joined in studio by Sam Madison, who is the ECNL director for the Boston Bolts. Sam, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you in studio. Thanks for having me, Matt. So I guess the best jumping off point for us today would just have you describe your role with the Bolts in your own words and, and what your day-to-day is. Yeah, great. So I'm entering my seventh year with the Boston Bolts, and right now I'm the ECNL director coaching at the ECNL level. So at the Bolts, we have what we call pathways, and at our elite levels, we have our MLS Next pathway and our boys' ECNL pathway that I supervise and oversee. Walk us through both of those pathways. How do you determine which pathway is right for certain players? Yeah, we believe at the Boston Bolts, we have two elite pathways that our players can be a part of. We have our MLS Next, which is a a 10-month season starting in August and going through June. And then we have our boys' ECNL pathway. And with that, it allows our players to continue to play high school soccer and then continue to compete at a high level, where where both take part in national events, national showcases, and then national playoffs. We talked about this a little bit off-air. We talked about a lot a little bit off-air, but (laughs) we're going to regurgitate a lot of that stuff. Um, But the club soccer scene nationwide has just, it's grown immensely. I mean, I just think back to when I was a kid and when you were a kid and how it was. I mean, some kids played club soccer, some kids didn't. Some kids played for their high school, but still had that aspiration of someday playing in college. How much has it grown, just the industry of club soccer? And how do the Bolts separate themselves from other clubs in New England? Yeah, I remember when I was playing Super Y League when I was growing up, and unfortunately you don't hear that too much. I think it can be challenging for parents and players to navigate the club soccer world now. It's a landscape that changes often with MLS Next, ECNL, NPL, National League. So it is challenging for us. Right now it's hard to plan for the long term. You're planning short term because things continue to change. and You saw a change recently with the DA, the Development Academy, changing and now MLS next year. So it is challenging for us as a club, but we believe with everything that we have to offer in the Northeast with our pathways and and not limited to also USL Academy, USL2, and and whatever brings us on the horizon that we'll always be in a very good situation here in the Northeast. I always like to ask this to to folks who work at different clubs, how competitive does it get with other clubs? It's a great region for soccer. You can see it in the prep schools that we have. We have great club programs here. How competitive does it get when you have clubs in the same um, region battling to try to attract different players? It, it can be challenging, but at the same time, it is, it is soccer. We're very lucky to do what we do. It'll always be competitive. You just believe in what you have to provide families and players that... We are confident this is an environment that you'll enjoy, that you'll continue to develop in. So it's always challenging when so many clubs train next to each other, but you also try and work together for the best interest for the players because at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's about. Where do you guys train out of? Where, where are your complexes? Are you guys at Mount Ida? Or? So we are in Newton, yep. the, our Boston region, which is also the ECNL and MLS Next programs. But we have regions in the South Shore in Weymouth and Braintree. We have central regions in Mulberry, and then we have our Boston region, 
and then partner clubs almost uh, all over the state. You guys are, are all over the place. How, how much bouncing around do you do? Are you going to different different facilities? What's a typical week for you? In a typical week, typically in Newton. Yeah. Uh, we do train around because we do have facilities in other regions, and we will at times train because we pull players from almost all over New England, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire. So some of our elite pathways, like Boise CNL, we will typically train once or twice a week in Newton, but once or twice in, in maybe Acton and Marlboro because you know that you have players coming from all sorts of different directions. Right. You mentioned this is your seventh year with the Bolts. You also coach the 07 in the uh, 0304 teams, right? Is that yep. correct? So our 07 and our... Is that still one of your loves in soccer? I mean, the, the coaching aspect, is that just something that, that gets you out of bed every day that you love to do? That's that's the best part of it. Unfortunately, about not all of it is on the field stuff. Right. So there is a lot of work behind the scenes. But the being on the field with the players and, and coaching and running sessions and the development side of it, that's, I think, what we're very passionate about. So the 07s, would that be you, was that you 15? Yeah. Yeah, so that's two different age groups. What's, how do they vary from what you're trying, you know, the principles you're trying to convey to these kids? How, how does it vary, and, or, or do the coaching styles stay the same for both, for both age groups? What you're teaching them, what we're teaching a U19 player isn't what we teach U15s. Right. But we have a club philosophy, we have a structure, we have a style of play, we have what we believe in a, a system of play. So I think both teams, if you see them on a field this weekend when we have games, they will play in a very similar style. But what we coach a U15 player isn't what you, you coach a 19 player. So there's still things that you would hope at the end of this year when I transition RO7s to the next coach he's going to pick up and they should know what a U15 player should know and now teaching them what a U16 player should know. What do you think is the mindset of a player who opts to join the Bolts? What what are they hoping to get out of this? I mean, every um, player, a teenage player, probably hopes to play Division One college soccer. That's the goal, or college soccer in some form. The really great ones think professionally somewhere down the line. But what's the mindset for a kid when they join the Bolts when they're a young kid? I think they're looking for a very competitive environment that they're going to enjoy. I think that's the number one thing. They have to enjoy what they're doing. If they do, they'll, they'll work hard at it and they'll remain committed. But I think that's typically when we look at players from the Boston region, the players that we hope to bring into our club, hardworking kids, blue-collar mentalities, technical, super committed, great mindset, growth mindset. So I think that's what we look for in a player. Would you say all of the coaches within the Bolts, do they share the same soccer vision? Yeah, I think we all have very similar experiences up to this point. I think we see the game in a very similar way. We're very fortunate that we have a new director, Craig Robinson, who's just joined us from Celtic in Scotland. He's incredible, what he's bringing to our club. And now we have so many like-minded people in the office. And that's the best part, when you get to sit around with the same people every day and talk soccer. Right. And you're a Connecticut guy, right? You grew up in Connecticut? I am from yeah. Connecticut. Stonington? Stonington, Connecticut. Nice. And, and we, one thing we also talked about off-air was just how both of us played multiple sports growing up. T- yep. Take us through your soccer upbringing. When did you try to you know, or, or go in that direction and kind of form that love of soccer? Yeah, I'm from an area that we, we play soccer in Stonington, in that southeast corner of Connecticut. But I always grew up playing three sports. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played hockey when I was younger. But soccer was always there. And as I grew in my high school years, it was something I started focusing more on. What were you like as a player? I like to dribble too much. But I'm sure you don't want your players doing right <laughs> no, now. No, <laughs> no. But I think it's you know how I saw the game as a younger player is 
probably why I transitioned into coaching. So I worked hard, good range of passing, like to dribble too much. So. <laughs> Were you at what, what position? As an outside midfielder. Outside mid. Goal scorer or facilitator? Uh, assist. Yeah. More assists than goals. Yeah. Stonington High School actually just had a, a, a really good season. I know that's a great program. Down there. But you, you didn't play there, but that's, no. a, that's a great program down there. So they yeah. have a, a very good program, some very good players. And then shout out to Mario Costa, who just became the new head coach down there. He's a friend. Yeah, that's right. And I think they... I talked to their former coach, yep. and they had, I think, four They have four players from the program who are going on to play college soccer, which for a public school is a, a good deal. I mean, oh, it's a, fantastic. It's a great accomplishment. Um, and then you went on to play at, at Mitchell. Yep. Is that Division Division three level? Division three. What was that experience like? I mean, I, I talked about this. You mentioned you're friends with Ruben Burke. We had mm-hmm. him on in our last episode. People sometimes may have the tendency to poo-poo Division three athletics, but... If you watch Division Three soccer, it is an, an enormously high quality of soccer. I was down in Greensboro for the a Final Four last in last December, and it's an incredibly high quality of soccer. And you have players at that level who could easily probably play Division One at certain programs, but for academic purposes or other reasons, chose to play Division Three. So, what was your Division Three experience like? I enjoyed it when I was at Mitchell. I think we won two conference championships in in my four years, so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my experience and the players that I I got to play with. And the friends that I have, I think, you know, Ruben specifically, if you're winning Division Three National Championships, you have Division One level players. <laughs> right. So right. it's it's just what the, uh, and I coach at the Division One level, it's just the experience that you're looking for is a, your Division One experience, some very good soccer players. Division Three, some very good soccer players. But I think the experience can be sometimes a little different. To, to players out there who might be considering Division Three, it's still a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. W- what advice would you give to players who, who would go that avenue because it's still, you know, this practice every day, they're still training every day. You got to keep your body right. What's the advice you would give to, to players? I think the type of school is very important. Your division three experience, you're still training six days a week. You still have strength and conditioning. You have study hall hours. Your spring season's a little different. Mm-hmm. At the division one level, we play five or six games. So for some players, what type of experience is very important? Do you want to study abroad at some point in your four years? Do you want to have those experiences? So maybe... If you're hung up, but there's things outside of the soccer that's very important to you, well, maybe that's something that could make your decision. Were there ever times during that D3 career for you that you rethought things? Did you ever have those days where you woke up and you're like, oh, man, I don't really want to train. I don't really want to. I mean, or did you just love it throughout the four years? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think you always have ideas of it did I want to play at a division two or a division one the school I went to Mitchell was the closest school to my house they had my majors I had friends there I had friends in the area so for me it it was I had a good experience yeah you mentioned your college coaching experience I definitely want to get into that a little bit later I do want to talk about ECNL though Mm -hmm. um, which for people who may not be familiar stands for elite clubs national league Uh, just tell us a little bit about to the listeners who may not know much about the ECNL format just what it is and what it offers players. ECNL, like you said, Elite Club National League, has been around for a number of years on the girls' side and and has always been the highest level for the girls. We have some clubs in this state that are fantastic on the girls' side. Boys, I think, came into fruition about four or five years ago. So it continues to be an elite level, just like MLS Next. But for a lot of our players in Massachusetts, they are at ISL or NEPSAC schools where they have a high school season in the fall. So Boise CNL continues to create a, in a competitive environment, typically against programs and clubs that are outside of your region. So, for example, this weekend we have Sporting Delaware and Penn Fusion coming in to play us, two very strong groups in, in their own region, and that was the idea. You know, how can you have 
historically successful clubs in Region 1, Region 2, playing against each other. How much travel? Is there a lot of travel involved with the schedule the way it is, or no? Usually, you'll play two games a weekend. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this week, we have two teams from Pennsylvania coming in and playing us. And Delaware. And they'll, from, t- they'll take a bus out here, or they'll drive their own cars? or what, I mean, they won't fly, right, to that, or will they? They might fly. <laughs> I, I guess it all varies depending on where you – I mean, that's just – that's right in that kind of medium zone where maybe you fly, maybe you don't. But, yeah, but w- typically you could – you may fly. Though. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, we were – sometimes we'll make a decision. If it's the Connecticut, New Jersey clubs, maybe we'll be driving. Right. If it's uh, the Pennsylvania, Maryland, it's on that line where you might be flying. Right. It's nice when you're traveling, you're playing two games, you're not playing one game. Right. And, and so it's, is it one game Saturday, one game Sunday usually? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's still a lot of soccer for a weekend, though. I mean, that's, that's, that's taxing on the body because, you know, you're playing back-to-back days, which speaks to the point of how much during the week with training is fitness just such a, just such a heavily involved aspect of the game. I mean, because you're playing back-to-back days like that against quality competition. Yeah, usually when we'll come back from a weekend, hopefully we're off on Monday. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get back into your three training sessions and... At our club, we talk about periodization and the loads that we put on players, so we'd like to think we track that fairly well, and yes, they have to be fit, but we'd like to think we manage that. Right. New England's soccer journal's The Goal will return after this. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. What does it take to become a champion? Teamwork, talent, grit, and above all, opportunity. HUSAC Elite Soccer has all that and more. Let's go, let's go, let's go! HUSAC School is located in beautiful Hoosick, New York, right on the edge of New England. And HUSAC students don't just dominate on the field, they dominate in the classroom. Students at HUSAC benefit from a rigorous academic program, expert instruction from an amazing faculty and staff, fine and performing arts, championship athletics, and the once-in-a-lifetime experience that comes from a student body of over 200 students from more than 40 different countries. Soccer teams practice. Elite soccer teams train. Husak Elite Soccer. Isn't it time you went from good to elite? For more information, check out husak.org. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NySoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to AnySoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division One, Two, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to AnySoccerJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. 
informative, insightful. Now, the schedule is really going to ramp up throughout the spring, right? I mean, you guys pretty much go until June. Is that the format there? ECNL playoffs are the end of June. Yeah, so it's a grind for the next three months. And here in New England, we got some not great weather, as Mm -hmm. you can tell, when you look outside in March. Does that make it, does the weather aspect of having a club in New England, does that ever play a negative effect with, with what you guys are trying to do? It can be challenging, especially this year where we did have a lot of snow. Just last night, I think we had snow. So it can be tough. Um... You never want to cancel training, but you understand most of the clubs in the area, they're all on a, you know, they're dealing with the same things. How do you balance exposure and competition here? I mean, all these kids are looking for exposure. I mean, that's one of the key ingredients of of club soccer. You're looking to get noticed and hundreds of college coaches going out to showcases that feature club teams. How do you get kids to buy into not trying to take care of themselves, but also play that? team concept that you want them to play and not be too worried about getting, oh, there's a coach from a UNH here who's, who's looking. I, I want to be noticed. How, how do you convey that message to them? A bunch of uh, well-known college uh, coaches here. I want to look, look good. I want to present myself well. How much of your job is to not be a psychologist but get inside their heads and, and make sure their heads are right? Because that, that's tough for any kid to show up to a showcase and not you know be aware of the surroundings. So how do you guys get in to their minds and coach them away from that. Yeah, you tell them to focus on the game, yeah. the the task at hand. And we're very lucky at our club. We have lots of coaches who are either still at the college level or have ex- extensive experience at the college level. So they're they're exposed to us often, and we'd like to think that we, we try and help them in the recruiting process as much as we can. But it can be stressful, of course. How are the Bolts teams uh, looking for the spring? You guys like where you're at? What's the... Um, broad scope what are the goals for the teams i think the goal for every team is making ecnl playoffs doing successful in your national events your state cups which we'll be playing in as well i think our 07s and 06 ecnl teams are very strong right now i think our 05 team is is strong as well they have some very good college ready players and our 19s our 19s have un, a third of them committed to colleges right now and there's still a few 22s and 23s that will certainly help a college program and that's going to be pleasing when you guys see that, or when you can say that you've got a third of a team committed to colleges. That's going to be, that's a great feeling for you guys, right? Those yeah, coaches. it's exciting. Especially since you, you have relationships with these players. They've played for you and your club for, you know, since they were 12 years old. So you're excited to see them fulfill their dreams and go off and play at college. How has the, uh, the program really grown over the, the last few years? Have you guys gotten improved with your on-field performance over the last few years? I mean, how has everything matured for, for the program? Yeah, it takes time. It takes time to, I think, educate people in New England what ECNL is now that it, it's, a pl- it's a pathway we haven't had forever. And it's making them realize that this might be a really good fit for your son. Maybe not for everyone, but for a lot of the players in New England that are playing at either very good public high schools, very good private high schools, that this is a, a pathway that they can be very successful in. So it, I think it, with anything, it takes time, but I think we're... And just speak to MLS Next, too, just in that, that pathway. What, how, how would you describe that, that whole pathway for, for players? Well, that's a 10-month season. Yeah. And again, it's, I think the travel and the commitment level, the amount of training, the events is, is very similar. It is very competitive, just like ECNL with the clubs in the area, the Revs, the Boston Bolts, Oakwood, Beachside, Seacoast. So again, a very high-level pathway, but I think it's, it's unique to every player. What might be a, a great fit for one might not be a good fit for another. 
How vital do you think club soccer is to getting players into college right now? I mean, are, is there a way to do it without playing club soccer? I think good players can play anywhere. Yeah. I, I think that's that's for certain, and you see it. You see some kids that have only ever played at the high school level or the pri- you know, the prep school level. For us, I think it is necessary, and it's not just in terms of development but exposure, that these are the things that we get to see in the fall. I do my recruiting. I will go watch high school games and prep school games. But after the fall, the winter, and the spring, you know, th- that's where you're at. You're at the, the club stuff, the showcases, the national events. That's where you spend most of your time recruiting. How much of your time is spent traveling? I mean, i got to imagine you're going all over the place, especially with, uh, with the college coaching. Yeah, I think uh, the last six weeks I've been on the road, which <laughs> sometimes you go to some very nice places when that happens. So, yeah, recruiting is a big part of what we do at the college level yeah. and, and seeing kids play, and, but it's enjoyable. Right. And now this, this fall will be your third season at Holy Cross as mm-hmm. an assistant. Um, walk us through your role at Holy Cross and how that came about for you. So the three years before that, I was at Bryant University, which is another Division One school in New England. Just clinched an NCAA tournament basketball. Uh, they did. Basketball. They, yeah, they did. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I had the opportunity to come to Holy Cross and work with Marco Kuhlman and Ben Graham, our, our two other coaches on staff, and they're very good at what they do. So I was excited about that. So I'm uh, the assistant, and then I, I focus mostly on the recruiting. Is, is recruiting something you enjoy doing? I mean, that's, I've always said for college coaches, that's like that's like 90% of the game is recruiting because you finding players and then getting them there and then almost the rest almost takes care of itself because you found the players you wanted. But how much how taxing is recruiting for someone like you? Well, like you said, it's I was going to say 80%. You, <laughs> I went you, a little high. You said 90%, but I agree. Uh, it's Getting good players in your program is massive. Us at Holy Cross, we have a, a very specific idea of the type of player that we want to find. And we have core values and expectations and a certain style of play. And just like the Boston Bolts, you have to recruit players that you think will do well in your system and in your environment. And I think right now the best thing about Holy Cross, which we did well this year, it's our culture mm-hmm. and finding kids that come into your program that help that. And I think everyone talks about the locker room at the college level. It's a sacred place, so bringing players in that improve your locker room is very important. Could you just expand on the culture component of Holy Cross? What, how would you define what that culture is? Well, it's set by the players. Yeah. Ben, Marco, and our other assistant, Jared, we're here to guide them and help them in any can, but it's their program. It's their experience and, and what they want out of it. So I think we have a lot of players, very hardworking kids at Holy Cross, smart kids. Holy Cross is a good school. They're very dedicated to their own devi- development. We train almost every day, and when, they're, when we're not training, they're training. Right. So they want to be the best versions of themselves, and, and hopefully for every player who go on to college or even younger, your goal is to play soccer as long as you can. Right. And if that's after college, you know, fantastic. How do you juggle these two positions? I mean, I, I get to imagine you're a pretty busy guy. <laughs> There's a lot of overlap between yeah. the two, but one certainly helps the other. So from a, a club perspective – when we're on the road playing games, you get to see players, you get to see teams, you get to see the kids that are maybe a year or two away that you know you'll be you'll be looking at you're excited about getting onto your campus and, and recruiting them. So yeah, it can be challenging, but at the end of the day, it's it's all soccer. Right. You have a front row seat for college soccer. You have a front row seat for high level club soccer. How do they vary, and how does your approach change depending on? What, where you're at. You're always looking, like you're always watching. It, it's very enjoyable, the kids that we have at the Boston Bolts, the teams that we get to play and, and see pretty frequently. So it's it, it's not too much different. You know, we can go to an ECNL game, we can go to a, an MLS next game, and you can see boatloads of kids. You're like, this kid would be great for our program. Yeah. 
How many soccer games do you think you watch a year? On TV or in person? In person. 500. <laughs> Is that, that's probably like a, a low mark, too. I bet, I bet uh, it might yeah, be more I, than that. I think if I think about it more, because I was just down in Florida recently, and you're, you're hopping from game to game, right. at, like an ECNL national event. So it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun. The, the soccer you get to see, the, the players you get to talk to, the parents, and then the other college coaches that you get to spend time with. But that's got to make your head spin a little bit, because I was at the Albany Showcase, yeah. and I'm bouncing from field to field watching teams play. And at one point, you're wondering, who am I watching again? Like, who, who's, which team is this? Who, who yeah. I? Like, it's, it's nuts. I mean, just going from field to field. It's great, but you're seeing so many players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be, is it ever like, does your head ever spin from all that? No, I think if you do your, the work up front, you know the kids that you're going to see. Right. The ones that have reached out to you, the ones that you know about. You know, you're not there watching 22 kids right. you know you're you're there to see the kids that have expressed interest in your program the kids that you know about and but you're always your eyes are always open you're always looking for a kid who stands out right do you, do you watch a lot of other games on tv as well or is that kind of your your way to get away from it a little bit no i i, I watch a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's great um the ecl season i just want to touch back on that is making the playoffs is that a realistic proposition you think for most of your teams this year all of our teams yeah yeah is that so that's like the concrete goal i mean you think all all of your teams have the have a shot to get in what's the playoff format so at every age group you have a set amount of teams that make the playoffs so you're oh you 15s you 16 you are there's seven teams out of 18 in the northeast make playoffs and they go into a pot system so if you're one seed, you're going to play a lower seed. At the U19 level, only one team out of the entire Northeast Conference makes it. There's one or two teams that will get into a wild card, but it'll be challenging. Who do you see it within the Northeast Conference? Who, are, who do you see as some of the, the most stiff challengers? One of our, our neighbors, NEFC is a great club, Sporting Delaware and Penn Fusion, who will be visiting us this, this weekend. weekend yeah. Very strong. Manhattan, world-class, New York and New Jersey are very good as well. It, do you develop rivalries within this within this league? I mean, is NEFC is that a rivalry, or is that is it not quite at that point yet? It's two very good clubs. They yeah. do a very good job. We have a lot of players within the club. Maybe has a brother or a sister over there, right? So I think so. Uh, it's like a family dynamic, kind it, of split. We certainly don't promote it like that, <laughs> right. but I think in, and it's again, it's a lot of kids that play against each other in high school prep school. They see each other a lot. They know them. They're friends with them. So I think uh, we don't promote it to be like that, but I think it turns out like that. Right. Um, do the kids, I mean, do the kids treat it pretty, com- I mean, when they do that, though, are they pretty competitive going out there? That's my friend over there. I want to beat him. I mean, is there, do you, do you feel, hear that competitive spirit on the sidelines? Yeah, like anything. Yeah. Like you, you certainly know games that the kids are up for more than others. Yeah, yeah. Holy Cross. What was your record last fall? What did you guys finish? I think we were 8 Seven and two, something like that, right around 500. We finished third in the Patriot League. We were in first place for most of it, which was very impressive since 50% of our roster was freshmen this year. Right. And now are you guys playing a spring schedule this year too? Yeah, we are. Who do you, who do you get on that schedule? Uh, we are playing Providence, uh, URI, Merrimack, UMass Lowell, and I believe Assumption. That's a good schedule. I know Providence and URI had great seasons, left, mm-hmm. particularly Providence beating uh, Georgetown at one point. So w- what can you learn from those spring games? What's co- the goal at the college level for those spring matches? You're trying to, you're trying to make it as competitive as possible. You're yeah. trying to recreate the fall. For us, we're very fortunate that we only graduate three players from the fall. So almost our entire roster is here. So for to get half our team, which is freshmen, competitive games heading into the fall against, like you said, very good very good programs in the area. It'll be great for us. Are, are those any of those at home, or are you guys traveling? Two or three at home, two or three away. Yeah. And then after the spring 
schedule lets up and the, and the school year is winding down, what comes next after that for the college schedule? Are you guys, the kids just go home and then come back in the summer? What's kind of the... Yeah, yeah. so it's very important that they're playing yeah. over the course of the summer. So for us, we're fortunate at the Bolts. We have a USL2 program that some of the players might take part of. Some of them will go back home, but for them, they just need to be playing competitively and, and re- keeping their fitness up as they head into the fall. Right, right. Patriot League, what's the power structure there? Who are the teams you'll be looking at next fall when you guys get back into play? So the Patriot League is always wide open. Yeah. Uh, this year, the program that won, Loyola, we, we beat them at their own place. So it's it's very competitive. I think Kevin Nyland is doing a very good job at Boston University mm-hmm. now that he's entering his third or fourth year. Loyola is a very, very good program. Colgate, where Eric Roning is, two of my U19 players are committed there. I think they're going to be better this year. Loyola, American, Lehigh, so it's uh, and Lafayette, of course. So it's I think any year it can be anybody. Right, but you feel pretty strong about where you guys are at. Though, oh yeah, absolutely. Think. Well, hey Sam, this is a great conversation. I appreciate you coming in and um, going twofold with the bolt stuff and Holy Cross. I think it was really, uh, really good stuff, and I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, Matt. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Gold Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.